on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. The college football playoff is set, and OU is headed to the Cotton Bowl against Florida. So we break all of that down. We recap OU's win over Iowa State for their sixth straight Big 12 championship. In the National College Football Roundup, we recap the Power 5 Conference Championship games. We give you our winners and losers of the weekend and wet the beak with opening night in the NBA. To finish up, I just found out that I am going to be a dad. So I'm asking all y'all and Teddy for all the dad advice you can give me in keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, December 21st, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more, they do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now we're recording this on Sunday night. Teddy is at his sister's house in Jinx. And if you're watching this on YouTube, for some reason, the lighting is hitting just right. And he looks spectacular. <laughs> but well, I, I need to just take all my pictures now because it's rare that that ever happens. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you look great. You, you look absolutely fantastic. But uh, the college football playoff is set. And now, of course, we're going to get to OU's big win over Iowa State. Six Big 12 championships in a row is a big deal, but this is clearly the biggest story in all of college football. We're going to get Bama versus Notre Dame there in Arlington. Is it still the Rose Bowl? Because they well, keep calling it the curious. Rose Bowl game. Yeah, it's curious because everywhere where I see all the, the games listed, it says Sugar Bowl and Fiesta Bowl and Cotton Bowl. But on that one, it just says Arlington. So, I don't know. It's really weird. I, I feel I, my like, guess is the Sugar Bowl committee is pissed. I okay. So, Barta talked about it, and I, I thought the reasoning. Okay, so we've got Bama and Notre Dame in Arlington in what is was originally the Rose Bowl game, but mm-hmm. I don't think legally 
they can call it the Rose Bowl because I think the city of Pasadena like owns that name. We'll see what they end up calling it. I doubt it's going to be called the Rose Bowl. But then Clemson, Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl, and I was I was very confused. But then it was it was really interesting because you, you would think that like okay, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, significantly closer to New Orleans than it is to Dallas. But then I, I thought Gary Barta's reasoning was very interesting because he was like, you know what? There can be a lot more fans in Dallas for that game than New Orleans is going to allow in the Sugar Bowl. And I was like, well, that actually makes a lot more sense because he was like, that's the biggest advantage for the number one seed is they can have more fans actually come to the game. And that was one of those things where I – I was thinking geography the entire time. And I was like, wait, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't even think of that, Ted. Yeah, it is. And, you know, we just witnessed a game there and it was a pretty good atmosphere. I mean, it was, it, great. Really was. it was really hard to tell the the mix of fans because similar colors, uh, you know, at least from, from our vantage point, whenever you're trying to pick out who's, who's fans or who's, but uh, I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a fun atmosphere. I thought it was, uh, a safe atmosphere, but still, you know, you get the feeling of uh, at least a decent big time game in there. Obviously, it's not 95,000 people, but, you know, in 2020, it was a great atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, that, that's so interesting. It's just like what we describe as a great atmosphere now compared to just like oh, a man. year ago. Which, you know, and I talked to Lincoln about this during one of our coaches' uh, shows with Toby that we took that for granted for so long, but whenever you go back somewhere now and you have 85,000 people in a stadium, it's going to feel like the craziest thing ever. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, the, there's no doubt. I, I think we're all definitely looking forward to next season, but we still got to finish this year. So I, I don't think anyone's really surprised about the four that the committee ended up putting in. It's kind of what, we expected to happen. Uh, I assume that Cincinnati is disappointed and Texas A&M probably a little disappointed, but if we're being realistic, they're actually probably happy about this, that they don't have to get rolled by Bama again. But you you look at the Bama-Notre Dame game, and and I I think we're all expecting that to be kind of lopsided, but that Clemson-Ohio State game, Ted, I I don't know about you, but that certainly – has my interest because I know Ohio State wasn't particularly, and we'll talk about it in the National College Football Roundup. We'll we'll talk about all the Power 5 Conference Championship games. We'll recap them all. But I I know they weren't particularly impressive, but they're still talented. And now they've got to to play, which the, the team that looks like the most talented team in all of college football because Clemson looked incredible against Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, obviously from from what I've seen of Ohio State this year, I'm favoring Clemson pretty heavily in this football game. I think they got the better quarterback. I think they got the better defense. Um, you know, you can, you can look at the offensive lines. I mean, I'll, I'll take your – take on that a little bit more but it seems like Clemson's offensive line is doing some pretty good thing things so uh, I mean I know there's no disadvantage on on the sideline for Clemson going up against Ohio State so 
yeah, man, I, I, I feel pretty good about Clemson. But here's the thing, man, and we talk about this. It's college football. It's a one-game scenario. Anything can happen. Ohio State could, could definitely win this football game. They've got the talent to do so. But I would lean in Clemson's favor for sure. Yeah, I, I think that no one is giving Notre Dame a chance. And we'll see. Now, we'll, we'll get to that down the road, right? Uh, we're going to break those down, those games down, uh, I'm sure, plenty in the future. But A&M comes in at number five in the college football playoff rankings. OU comes in at number six. So naturally, we're all thinking, okay, we're getting OU A&M in the Cotton Bowl. And then it comes out, we're getting OU Florida in the Cotton Bowl. Which leads me to a couple different questions because A&M's going to go play North Carolina in the Orange Bowl. Is Texas A&M just scared or what, what's going on there? Because this may, that made no sense to me. I was like, okay, we're going to get number five versus number six. This is going to be a great matchup. I know they used to be in the same conference. Who cares? Like, let's, let's have these teams play. And then it just didn't work out that way. And I was a little confused, Ted. Well, I'm still confused. I, I don't understand how it makes any sense at all and why, like, even if you're the Orange Bowl, like, there's not going to be any fans there. And I think the Bulls actually pick, uh, not the teams. But I'll be honest, I, I, I'm really not an expert whenever it comes yeah. to this. Okay, so that, and I'm not either, but I assume, I think it's safe to assume that the Cotton Bowl reached out to A&M and was like, hey, what do you think about playing Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl? I, I think that's safe to assume that that conversation took place. It, do we just assume that A&M was like, nah, we're good? Or Well, I think, I think there's tears. And I think and it's different on different years. Like, I don't know the rules, but I think, like, there's priority. So the Orange Bowl may have priority over the Cotton Bowl. Gotcha. And if they want Texas A&M – they can get Texas A&M. So I think that's how it goes. Now, why they would want Texas A&M over Florida, I have no idea. Why does a Florida team go to Texas to play a bowl game and a Texas team go to Florida to play a bowl game if it's the whole travel thing that we're worried about? I don't know. Uh, I would have preferred the Texas A&M uh, game a hundred percent you know if you could beat the the number five team that would that would look outstanding but I am glad that Florida showed really well against Alabama and you know that helps that game for Oklahoma should you win it you know it's not going to be one of those those games where you're you're playing the what a lot of people would say oh it's the third best team in the SEC they're not any good I don't think that's the case or the feeling right now with Florida. Now, obviously that'll change if we win the game. It's the SEC. Oh, well, you know, they, they didn't don't care. They didn't care. Pitts is gone. They didn't care. So, no, I I I like the matchup. I think it's going to be a fun matchup, but I would have preferred A&M for sure. Yeah, I I feel like now obviously I'm wrong because if A&M wanted to play Oklahoma, I feel like it would have happened, but I I don't know what A&M gains 
from playing North Carolina. You know what I mean? Nothing. Like, there's nothing to gain. I mean, I'm sure. Uh, I think uh, a would have preferred to play Oklahoma. Yeah, I think they would have preferred to play Oklahoma. But I, I honestly think it's the Orange Bowl's pick. Like they have the priority pick over the Cotton Bowl. That's got to be how it works, right? Mm-hmm. I probably, I, I suppose, I could have researched this before we started recording. And I've tried to research it, and the information is not very easy to come by. Okay, I Googled it like three hours ago. I was like, bull priority picks, and, and nothing really came up. And I was like, okay, I'm out. I'm just going to say that Texas a and is scared because uh, like that's the those, easiest thing to do. Right. It's, it's like one of those things where they want the information really secret so no one has like inside information can really hammer them on their picks, I guess. I don't know. But it's, it's like one of those – in a beautiful mind, you remember that shop in the back where he had all those uh, dots connected and people's names and everything. First that, of all, I think, love that movie. And good movie. What a great reference by you. <laughs> I think that's how they picked the bowl matchups. I, well, I I was told by someone close to the program is like it's looking like OU Georgia in the Cotton Bowl, and I was like, all right, that sounds good. Like, JT Daniels, Bulldogs are playing really well, and then all of a sudden, same person flipped back to Florida, and I was like, okay. I'm excited for that matchup for Oklahoma because big-name program, playing well heading this game. I know Kyle Pitts has already said, hey, I'm out, not playing in this game. I'm interested to see who else for the Gators may opt out i wouldn't be shocked now i could be wrong but what does kyle trask have to gain from playing in that game really with what he's displayed this year i i don't know who's going to end up playing for florida ted but this is a fun matchup for ou fans in general because it's a big name right everyone remembers the national championship game with tebow and all those things but it's a big name program from the sec in the Cotton Bowl, there's really not much you can complain about. Oh, I agree. I think it's going to be a good matchup. I think it's a fun matchup. You know, I think with a guy like Trask, I think, you know, in quarterbacks in general, I think that legacy is kind of a big deal. And it would mean a lot for Trask in, you know, how he's talked about perceived around Florida to go win uh, a big bowl game against a team like Oklahoma. I think that would be a big deal because they haven't been in a bunch of big bowls recently. So I think that would be a big deal for him. Do you think there's any guys from Oklahoma that would potentially opt out? The only I, – I, I was thinking about that earlier today, and the, the first guy you think about is Ronnie Perkins, right? Uh, a guy that is considered an elite player – right, at an elite position. They're coming off the edge. But then you kind of remind yourself that he hasn't gotten to put a ton on tape and the opportunity to put more on tape against a really good opponent would be hard to pass up for him. And then, and then you think about anyone else, it's like, there. I, I don't even think there's another option, right? Well, uh, I mean, as of... It's been probably 10 days, maybe two weeks ago. I was checking all the mock drafts that I could for first and second round mock drafts. 
And I don't think I saw any Oklahoma guys in the first two rounds on any of the mock drafts. So there's no one that you would say needs to just really be careful and not go risk anything. As far as I'm concerned, everyone on Oklahoma's roster, especially if you're planning on going to the NFL, you better go show well against some top talent. That would be your best bet. Yeah. In a primetime so, game. Yeah. So it, it it's still the Cotton Bowl. It's still a big deal. Quality opponent, right? A lot of good players on Florida, Florida's roster. So I can't imagine. I, I, I can't think of anyone that would opt out. Okay. The only guy that would opt out where I'd be like, okay, I get it, is probably Creed Humphrey, right? Uh, a guy that is considered, especially with what happened to Bama center, who was considered the number one center heading into the draft, tore up his knee there in that SEC championship game. So maybe that bumps Creed up kind of in the pecking order there at the center position. But he also, I mean, he just doesn't seem like a guy that would opt out, right? I mean, if you're going to opt out now, why'd you even play this year? Yeah. You could have gone you could have gone to the draft last year. So I don't I don't know. I don't think um there's no one that's in Kyle Pitts position right now. That I mean, that's plain and simple. That's it. He is a freak athlete that has done some amazing things this year. There's no way he's going to to help his draft stock. He's opting out. Now, I would never opt out if I was in his position. I mean, you know, college football for me was about playing college football. There was nothing better than going and winning big football games with your brothers out there. But, you know, it's a business decision for him, and I totally understand that. I just don't think we have anyone in that position. But I guess, yeah, Creed may be the guy that you would would look at. Yeah. But he, yeah. I mean, I think it would do him some good to go show well against a – an SEC defensive line. I know Florida's defense isn't, you know, the greatest thing going, but uh, I think that would still go a long ways for him. Yeah, I completely agree. We'll we'll see what he. I I won't judge the kid. Well, either way, it, here's the other thing. One more point. In a typical year, you're done. You know, like the first weekend of December, and then you're talking about a month essentially before those bowl games are being played. And just a ton of dead time. That's not the case this year. You just finished. We're talking about a little over a week more. So I don't think there's that big waste of time. Yeah, that that's a really good point. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't think you you mentioned Pitts like clearly the top guy at his position heading to the draft. I don't think Oklahoma has anyone like that. So uh, you would expect the Sooners to be as close to full strength as possible going into that game. Okay. So we're, we've gotten very far ahead of ourselves, <laughs> right? Um, let's start. Let, let's look at OU's win over Iowa state and we'll recap that game. And that's brought to you by Will and Wiley hard seltzer guys. Stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast. And that is Will and Wiley hard seltzer from Coupe Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. Will & Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at, at Will & Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag us in your social media posts to let them know. Okay, so 
We all watched it. OU beats Iowa State 27-21. They win their sixth straight Big 12 title. You think about this team. They start 0-2 in conference play. They keep battling. They have to you, – and you have to give these coaches and players a lot of credit. Just a reminder, winning a conference championship is not easy. I, I know that they've won six in a row, but Teddy can tell you, I will tell you, it is not easy to win the Big 12. I, I know they've made it look easy over the last six years, but I assure you, it is not and Ted, it, it is impressive when you look at how they started this season, 0-2 in conference play, that they were able to fight back, chip away, and get it done again. I mean, I, it, it, it is really, really impressive. It's, it's incredibly impressive. I mean, I would have told you that there's, the chances of them winning the conference championship are slim and none. And I know we've talked about this, but when Ellinger ran in that last touchdown in the in the Cotton Bowl, OU Texas, at the end of the fourth quarter, and I thought they were going for two, I would have said, ah, yep, three straight losses. Uh, this is going to be bad. But Should have gone for two, Tom Herman. They rallied back. They didn't fold. Um, and they just kept winning football games, kept their nose down, kept grinding. I think that says a lot about this coaching staff uh, to keep those guys focused. I think it says a lot about these players. And, you know, how hard they fight and scrap to, to remain consistent and, you know, keep that winning streak going. You don't want to be the team. Now that there's six straight, there's a ton of pressure to not be the first team to lose it, you know. Um, so that's a reason for these guys to stay in it and grind. And, you know, it's hard in a typical year. But considering the protocols and the testing and the isolation – that they've had to go through this year, the fact that, you know, they were 0-2 in conference and it was looking like it was going to be a long, ugly fall, and they stayed right in there and kept fighting. So hats off. This is, you know, for Lincoln, for those coaches that have been around there, I'm sure this one's going to be incredibly special. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's got to feel really good for those guys, especially with everything they've had to go through this year to start the way they did and like you mentioned not fold right we've seen teams across the country right you start poorly and it, it seems like they just were like okay this is the worst this year sucks we're good like we'll we'll just yeah. go through the motions and they didn't do that and i i know it's because there's a certain standard with this program, but, but it's still impressive, especially this year. So let's look at their win over Iowa State in the Big 12 championship game. And like always, we'll start with the offense. And, oh, boy, started hot, real, real hot. And then, oh, my goodness, did they cool down in this football game, Ted. They, they just could not get anything going in the second half. But what was it? First five possessions there in the second half were all punts, but when they absolutely had to put to put a drive together, they did. They get the field goal, and it, it was enough. But let's start with Rattler. He's the MVP of the Big 12 championship game. 
He had some really, really nice throws in that game. And the one to Hazelwood, right, in between the three guys was an absolute beauty. The big touchdown to Mims puts it right on him for a huge play in that game. And I I feel like we've said this a couple of times this year, but two of his maybe four or five best throws were dropped touchdowns. Uh, Again, right? Hazelwood on the back shoulder. Uh, I thought Hazelwood would make that play. He wasn't able to. But then the deep ball to Bridges, he puts it right where it needs to be. Trajan Bridges not able to bring that in, but used his legs, had that rushing touchdown, uh, managed the offense well, uh, especially when the running game really stalled, didn't make any critical errors, which I feel like was a huge, a huge factor in this game, especially with what Purdy did right, for Iowa State. So, overall, you're talking about a first-year starter in a conference championship game. A nice performance, Ted. I thought it was great, you know, for a freshman on that stage against that defense, I thought he performed really well. And, yeah, that was kind of the talking point going into the football game. You know, what quarterback was more likely to make the big mistake? And it was Brock Purdy, and that that played out in the football game, you know, uh, he tried to force some things. Now he was coming from behind. It was in a position where you kind of did have to force some things, but you know, Rattler talked about this before and heard the coaching staff say it. When you play Iowa state, you have to take what they give you take as the game comes to you, you know, don't force anything. And that's what he did. I thought he was, I thought he was really good. Once again, man, he's, He's extremely mature in the way that he plays quarterback as a redshirt freshman. I I mean, I've been watching and playing football for a long time. I've never seen a redshirt freshman play like that. You know, most guys are athletic and big arm and can make plays, but there's a bunch of mistakes that come with it, but that you don't get that from Rattler. It it was interesting to see some people be like, he really didn't deserve the MVP. He didn't do much. I was like, okay, who are you going to give it to? Who? What? Trey I, Brown I guess, is about the only other yeah. one you could come up with. And that's where I was like, yeah, just it, it seems like it was like a default situation. We're like, okay, we'll give it to the quarterback. And I had no problem with it. Yeah, well, I mean, whenever he played the way that he did, uh, I mean – uh, it, he he just loses some of the steam because, as you pointed out, the the offense couldn't get going in the second half. So you felt like it was the defense that won that football game. And whenever the quarterback gets the MVP trophy at the end, I can understand. But you know he was he was a real good reason why they jumped out to that nice lead, which was a good thing that they did because that Iowa State team dug in in the second half, buddy. Boy, did they ever. Now, uh, still looking at the offense. Ramondre Stevenson, thought he ran tough, man. Uh, I I talked to him after the game. I was doing, you know, standing around while Plank was doing those post-game interviews with those guys. And, man, it it was not easy. Uh, The counter stuff just wasn't there for him. A lot of those runs were dead on arrival. And I, I thought that, even though he was put in some really tough situations where the blocking was not particularly good, those guys certainly didn't help him out much. I thought that he ran tough. 
I thought he ran hard. I thought he turned some, you know, zero yard, negative yard runs into ones and twos, which really added up in that game. I have no idea why they didn't run more zone concepts. It was working when they ran it. Now, once again, Ted, you know how much I love zone running schemes, so I am extremely biased. I'm not going to pretend I'm not, but the counter stuff was not effective, and the zone stuff was, but I thought Ramondre Stevenson did a really good job grinding out some of those runs. Tough yards. Got some tough yards. He did. Uh, He ran through some tackles. You know, a couple of those plays were just, you know, fantastic individual efforts. And, you know, we talked about in the broadcast that, you know, some of his runs that went for two yards were really him. It it was really a five-yard run because he was dodging or running through a tackle that was three yards behind the line of scrimmage. And those hidden yards are just so massive. We were able to stay out in front of the chains for a big portion of that football game. And it helped us out having a bunch of third manageable situations where we could run it. We could, you know, have some easy completions for first downs. And that's what really kept our offense flowing. Now, as that running game got shut down, you know, in the second half, we were in a bunch of third and longs. Boy, and did it, it ever get shut totally down. Totally different. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a totally different game whenever you've got third and eight or 10 compared to third and three to five. I mean, it's just, it only seems like a, a handful of yards, but it's just defensively, it's so you're in such a better position there to tee off. So, no, he, I thought he, thought he did really well. Um, you know, we talked on the, on the broadcast about one of the reads that he had that was bad. You know, they're running some split zone out of the split back, two back formation, and it was there. They were killing him on that play, and we just didn't go back to it a whole lot. And I think one of the reasons we went to it one time and he tried to cut it back and he had an open front side. But aside from that bad read, I thought the rest of his game was real workmanlike. I I, I agree. And then when you look at it, and football is not all about the box score after the game, right? But when you see that OU was one of 11 on third down, in this game. Usually, when you are that inefficient on third down, you are getting blown out. I mean, blown out. So, for them to be able to find a way, right, and and it has a a lot to do with how the defense played, but one of 11 on third down, that is, yikes. Now, I I mean, think about this. To go with that, whenever you're one of 11 on third down, and, I mean, it's just, from the flip side, defensively, you gave them three turnovers. So you had three extra, you know, if if you want to look at it that way, three extra possessions, and you needed every ounce of that. I mean, it's two times back-to-back that we've been outgained and beat. That's not a good sign going up against an offense like Florida. Yeah. Let, let's not talk about that quite <laughs> yet. I, I, I don't want to. Now, remember, Pitt's not let's enjoy playing. the moment for now, yeah, right? Let's, we'll, we'll enjoy this Big 12 championship. Finish <laughs> up the offense. Uh, you know, wide receivers, pass catchers. I thought that, uh, I mean, clearly a quiet performance, right? Especially in the second half. But 
it was kind of the Marvin Mims show. If you think about anyone that was making consistent plays in this game at the skill positions, and he, he really separated himself in this game. And Ted, you know I jumped on the Marvin Mims train early, and I, I still feel great about that. I, I know that you know, Jeremiah Hall had a big play, catch and run. Braden Willis had a couple. That play for right? Braden Willis was huge down the stretch. Yes, but I, I mean, I, I, I was really impressed with Mims, but it, it's not like anybody else had a huge impact on the game as, as a pass catcher. And it's like the more you talk it out, you're like, wait, how the hell did OU win this game? But they did. So it's it. I mean, it's just I, I continue to be impressed by Mims. No, he's good. Um, that was a great deep ball, a really good route by him. And Rattler put it on the perfect spot. Uh, you know, got that. Another thing quickly on is some of those balls were coming out late by him. You know, it's got to be out instantly and the receivers are in their break and then kind of waiting on the football to get there. Um, just had to be a little bit quicker by him. But, yeah, Mims, I think, is – he's well on his way to a huge career. Broke the freshman record at Oklahoma. And as we know, receivers, um, there's been some amazing guys come through here over the last 20 years. So to break that record, that's pretty telling. And it's not like none of those guys were playing with great quarterbacks either, right? So, I mean, there's been guys that have been airing the thing out. So to be able to pull off that record says a lot about that young man. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, Ted, let, let, let's talk about how the defense played in this game. Uh, clearly, it, it, it feels like at this point it is more than safe to say that Oklahoma's defense is the strength of this football team this season with the way they're playing. You look at how they played in this game. Uh, they limited – Brees Hall, I know he scored the touchdowns, but when you look at what Brees Hall's been doing this season, they did a really good job against a back that talented. They forced Brock Purdy to beat them, throwing the football, and they pressured him, and we talked about it, right? Purdy will throw it to you if you pressure him, and he did with the three interceptions. Now, on, on defense, Ted, I always defer to you. What'd you think of the performance? Yeah, I thought, you know, first of all, and you mentioned it, to hold the nation's leading rusher who's averaging, what, uh, around a 150 a game or so, to hold him to 83, a net actually of 79 on 23 carries, that's pretty impressive stuff. And I know that was probably a huge challenge for them, make sure they kept him under 100 yards. So, to hit that, I thought that was big. Um, you know, Brock Purdy hit you on some stuff, but you forced him into some bad situations and you got the three turnovers. So, you know, late in the game, whenever we weren't really getting anything from our offense and we kept, you know, we'd get a stop, but we'd be right back out on the field. And as they started to get some of those drives going, our pass rush got a little bit weaker, a little bit weaker. That's what happens when you're out on the field a lot. But you know, they, would, they were able to regroup a couple of times and continue to force that pressure. And 
force him into some bad. I mean, Brock Purdy made some really bad mistakes. I mean, he yeah. he so. really let Oklahoma off the hook a couple of times. You know, he scrambled and did a really good job getting out of some some dangerous situations, and then he would have a ton of grass, and then he'd throw it for no reason when he could have run for 15, 20 yards. Why didn't he just take off? I mean, I don't know. It was nothing but green turf in front of him. And I was like, you know what? I'm glad he's throwing it. He's throwing it to the wrong team, which makes me happy. But like, he could have just run. I, I, right. I, I don't know, man. I don't know what he, uh, and once again, I've, I've never played quarterback, but he made some questionable at best decisions in that football game. Yeah. Well, you know, I, as a total defensive performance, I thought it was really strong. Um, I'll tell you what, man, Xavier Hutchinson, that dude came on the second half of the season, and he is a big physical dude. He had the 10 catches, and it was his game. That one run he had off of that short catch, uh, amazing individual effort, lit a fire under that football team. Okay, so it's interesting that you mentioned Hutchinson. Now, I I talked to Norwood, Trey Norwood, uh, about him after the game, and he was like, that guy's a good wide receiver. And when OU played Iowa State and Ames, I was up in the booth. And remember, Hutchinson had that big catch and run, right? Broke that tackle, took it for a big, long touchdown run on, on that slant. And I was like, man, that kid, you know, he looks pretty good. That's a pretty impressive play. And for this game, I was down on the field, down on the sideline. So I am super creepy during warmups. I mean, <laughs> I get entirely too close to the opposing team because you I down just there like with to the, uh, tape measure, measuring thigh circumference. I'm just like, hey, would you, stretching. would you mind if I measured your, your hip circumference? Let me circumference? get that inseam uh, real quick, buddy. <laughs> let, let me get that inseam, dog. No, uh, but at, I was looking at their wide receiver group, and the Shaw kid was huge. And then yeah, I saw huge. Hutchinson, and I did not realize how big and built that kid was. And that's an NFL wide receiver. Yeah. OU fans may not realize that now. They may have been frustrated when that kid was making a play. That is an NFL wide receiver. Speed, size, power. I was really impressed with him. But yeah, other than that, Ted, I, is it weird? It, it continues to be weird for me to acknowledge that OU's team is now, in my opinion, undoubtedly led by the defense. Yeah, it is. Um, I'll tell you what's funny is I get a bunch of, I get a bunch of text messages and calls about how the defense is playing. And, you know, it's just a, we've, we're so acclimated to a style of football where the offense scores possession and it's just about whether or not we can get a handful of stops to win the football game. Now it's we're led by our defense. So since it's happened so quickly, the flip like, you know, within of 
five games something, it's like, like what's going on? And it's like, it's like, it's not the end of the world whenever you punt the football. I know it has been in recent years. Whenever we punt, we lose. But now, I mean, it's back to where, you know, field position and a good punter is actually a, it's a nice tool and it'll help you win football games. So it's just weird the dynamic. It's been a complete flip. And I don't know that our fan base is prepared for that right now. Uh, they're not. They're not because I, I, got, I, I got the opposite text messages of you. Like, what the hell is wrong with the offense? Why aren't they scoring every possession? What has Lincoln, what, when did Lincoln Riley lose his killer instinct? What, why is he not stomping on their throat? I'm like, guys, Iowa State's a pretty damn good football team. Let's, let, let's just calm down. But once again, and, and I'll, I'll say it. The offensive line, you, you can talk about the run game. They they didn't get it done again, right? I mean, we, we can all call it how we sit now. I do think Iowa State's group is really good. But there were there there was one guy that really stood out to me in this game, and it, it was Isaiah Thomas again. Yeah. I I I constantly saw him disrupting plays in the backfield you know, drawn to guys in run schemes, you know, getting penetration, getting pressure on Purdy. Like, and he doesn't look like a lot physically when you're down there next to him. It's just like, okay, I mean, guy's kind of long and lean. Okay, he's got some length to him. All right. But he he just produces, man. And it, it, it's... End of the day, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. And... I did see one thing that I wanted to get your opinion on. So Toby Rowland mentioned it on the broadcast that the Dallas Cowboys should undoubtedly draft Trey Brown with how many, how many plays he's made in AT&T Stadium. And I was like, you know what? That's pretty funny. And then I saw this from a couple of different people on Twitter. But your thoughts on the nickname for Trey Brown, Trey TNT Stadium. I love that. It's I good, like it. Isn't hey, it? it fits, and he's going to be right back there for the Cotton Bowl, which is awesome. Because he's made some plays there, man. Three years in a row. Um, you know, I I still think that the rundown of Chris Platt from behind is like one of the greatest things I've seen. Like that play was awesome, and it won the game for you. So he's been nails in that in that stadium. I can't wait to see what he does in the Cotton Bowl, man. That's going to be awesome. He's got to make a play. I mean, Trey TNT, Jerry Jones. I mean, it, it was CD Stadium before, and they drafted him. So hey, why not? Hell, CD caught an onside kick and ran it back for a touchdown today. So that was, <laughs> I mean, Trey TNT. He, he's got some competition with old CD. Now, Ted, let's move on to call your shot. That's brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Rock and Roll Tequila is the ultra-premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is delicious. If you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. 
Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. And we asked for your biggest takeaway from OU's win in the Big 12 championship game. And our favorite comes from at AndyMancan20 on Twitter. AndyMancan20. He says, this season and the defensive performance will do more for recruiting than our previous playoff games. We now are selling results, not hope. Ted, your thoughts? Well, I mean, that's true, 100%. I think, uh, I think it will help recruiting. Now, the biggest thing that helps recruiting is whenever a kid is sitting at home, let's say he's a defensive end, and he's like, hmm, I've got a bunch of offers. Let's use the Google machine real quick and see how many first-round draft picks uh, this team or this conference has had at defensive end. And whenever your school pops up in that Google search, that's what helps. So we are moving in the right direction. There is no doubt about that. You just look at our the class that we, we just signed, and I think it's a fantastic group. I don't even care what the stars say. I think that group fits our team and what we want and the body style, the, uh, the effort-based defense, all those things. It's the perfect group. So it is helping, but it'll help even more whenever some of those start to turn into first, second, third-round draft picks. It, it'll help a lot more if OU's defense is able to uh, slow down that dynamic Florida offense. And I know that yeah. Pitts isn't playing, but that'll help. Now, I, I, it is funny – and I know we talked about it a little bit, but fans always say they want a great defense, right? They want the defense to be the strength of the team. But you mentioned it earlier, like, this is an adjustment going on right <laughs> now is. for OU fans. It's like, yeah, this is awesome. And they're like, why aren't we scoring a 1,000 points <laughs> We're terrible on offense. Our offense is horrible. We just won. We won the stupid Big 12 championship, and we had to win it with our defense. What the hell? It's just funny because, I mean, no, no matter what you do, you're, you're not going to please everybody. But I, I, I think that Alex Grinch, and let's be honest, there's, there's a few rumors out there, right, that he is a strong candidate for the Arizona head coaching job, but you, hey, I, why, you know Alex Grinch way better than I do. Why would he do that? Don't do that, Grinch. I don't know. Don't I do that. That's does. a hard job. Don't do that. Look at the track record there, man. Don't do it. That's where good wait. coaches go to die. Wait, be really selective. You could be selective. You can be selective. Okay, and you know how this goes. I'm, my hope is that this is a way to get a raise, right? And just like the one thing you want 
whenever, let's say, um, I don't know that he wants this job, but let's say that Harbaugh was gone at Michigan. Michigan came around a big job, a big, good job. Um, you don't want that to be your first head coach interview. You know, you want to be prepared, know what's expected, have your ducks in a row, maybe go in, do it, put everything you've got into it, and then say, you know what, now that I've thought about it, I, you know, guys, I appreciate the offer, but I don't want it. But just to make sure that you're prepared for that moment whenever it comes around. I'm not saying that's what he's doing, but it wouldn't shock me if he's kind of maybe looking at it from those two perspectives. Because he shouldn't want that job. He should and, not want that job. And, and, and there's probably a large part of him going, you know what? We got a chance to win it all in 2021. We, we've talked about this a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Next year being the year for Oklahoma. And being the head coach at Arizona, being the defensive coordinator on a national championship, team that leads you to a much better job than Arizona I I think we all know which one makes the most sense but we'll we'll see we'll see I I I don't want to I don't want to put Grinch on the spot but don't do it don't do it we you know what and and that's the thing is like I've long said that 2021 and we've talked about it that's the year here's the thing man is the best recruiting job they need to do is to convince Ronnie Perkins, Perry on Winfrey to come back because, you know, here's the thing. Would Ronnie Perkins get drafted next year? Yes, he would. But if he comes back and plays a full season and he's going to be talked about as like the preseason big 12 defensive player of the year, he may be on some preseason all American list, that type of stuff. You go out, you put together, uh, a full 2021 campaign, and who knows how productive you could. I mean, it's conceivable that Ronnie Perkins is a top half of the first round type of draft pick. That yeah. is like that type of money. It, it's worth waiting a year for that. Make sure you tell him that next time you see him. <laughs> I will. That would, uh, that would make our lives easier. All right, Ted, let's move on to the National College Football Roundup. That's brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is the only is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. Okay, let's recap the rest of the Power Five Conference Championship games. Let's start in the SEC, where it just means more. And uh, I suppose they just like more points because Alabama beats Florida 
52-46. Oh, the horror, the lack of defense. What is wrong with these teams? But, Teddy, I assume, while I loved this game, that this game made you, what, somewhat nauseous with all the points scored? I'll tell you what, Gabe. I just – it's hard for me to watch conferences that don't play defense. I just – I can't stand it. The SEC is just – it's a tough watch, man. If they could start playing some defense, think about how good that conference could be. If they could just stop some of these offenses, they could turn into a really good conference. Maybe they need to start taking some notes from the Big 12. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I see what you did there. That's good. That's good. Now, okay, so you look at this game, in all seriousness, both defenses got exposed, but they did get exposed by the elite offensive players in all of college football. You look for Florida, Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Toney, uh, Alabama, the argument could be made that they should have three finalists for the Heisman Trophy. I mean, my goodness, you, you in this game, Mac Jones was great. Devontae Smith, again, was an absolute stud. But Najee Harris was the best player on the field. And not only getting the ball at running back, but the, the wide receiver skills that young man displayed in this game, it, it was unbelievable. And he ends up with five touchdowns in the SEC championship game. And maybe the best player of the entire game, right, is the Mechie kid knocking the shit oh, out of the kid. that was amazing. I can only imagine how fired, you, fired up you were when that play happened. But And, and that was a huge play. Game. Maybe the biggest play of the game. But, Ted, you look at this game, and, and Bama ends up winning, but – that Bama defense, it had kind of settled in over the last several weeks. But once again, it looks human, right? I, I know that this team, a lot of people see it as unbeatable. We were kind of saying that over the last couple of weeks. But this was another performance where I looked at it and I was like, okay, that Bama offense is ridiculous. ridiculous. But that defense, they, they can give up some points now. Yeah. It's interesting. It's hard to hard to really put your finger on it. I don't think they get real good pressure on the quarterback, and they don't have that guy coming off the edge that yeah, we're used to from Bama, right? Either off the edge or up the middle, whether it's Jonathan Allen or you know, Quentin just, Williams. Yeah, throw out some of those guys. It doesn't seem like now they've got really good players there, but the pressure was just not there on Trask. Uh, so they were able to to keep that offense going. Um, but, you know, offensively, they're just so good, man. It's, it is amazing. Najee Harris is like – he's like an upgraded version of Saquon Barkley. It's oh, like – Okay. So I've got, I, I've got two comparisons, and that's mm-hmm. so funny that you say that because I was, I was actually talking to my wife about this today. She was like – because we were watching the game together, and she was like, man – that 22 is good. And I was like, yeah, he's like Saquon Barkley if you just stretched him a little bit mm-hmm. and made him a little taller. And then I was like, or he's kind of like Derrick Henry if you just smushed him <laughs> a little bit. And then I realized what I was saying. And I was like, 
this guy's a freak show. I mean, Najee Harris, with all, all the football I watched on Saturday, including the OU game, including I, I DVR'd all the championship games, went back and watched them all. Like, other than Trevor Lawrence, that kid was the best player I watched. Yeah. He I was, mean, his, he was his, unreal. He, he looks to me like a, a more durable body type, like a thicker version of um, Kamara. You know, with, Ooh, that's with, interesting. With yeah. how much they do with him and, and yeah. how he can catch the ball out of the backfield. It's almost like a Kamara, like the thickness of Saquon Barkley pushed into the frame of Kamara and, you know, the skill set as well. I mean, he's he's amazing. I, if he's, Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara had a baby, <laughs> it's Najee Harris. <laughs> He was, I, I mean, he was unbelievable. That was, that was one of the most impressive performances I've ever seen in college football. I, I, Florida had no answer for him at yep. all. I mean, it's amazing to be on a football team with 45 other five stars and against a team with, 10, 15, five stars. There's a bunch of first-round picks on both sides of the ball. And to be in a football game like that and stand out as by far the best player on the field is an accomplishment. And he did that. No doubt. Okay, let's move on to the Big Ten championship game. Now, no one's handled this season better than the Big Ten, so that's why they had an absolutely (laughs) electric championship game uh northwestern hey i'll give them credit they uh they put up a good fight against ohio state final score 22 10 we thought northwestern might make this one ugly ted and boy did they ever the wildcats i they were leading for a lot of this football game justin fields was not good i know we ended up with the wrap on his hand, you know, something wrong with his thumb. I don't know if that was just him making an excuse or what, but he didn't play well, turned the football over. But luckily for Ohio State, Peyton Ramsey decided he really wanted to give the football back to Ohio State's defense in the second half. It was just like, it was almost like these two teams took turns not wanting to win this game. And it was it was just a weird football game, but uh, then the closer he appeared. Our boy Trey Sermon, the kid can still play. Ted, three hundred and thirty-one yards rushing, and a large part of me really loves that an OU guy now has the Ohio State <laughs> single game rushing record. And I, I, I'm really happy for Trey. It was always a lot of fun uh, to deal with as, you know, as part of the broadcast team. We talked to him a lot, and he was always very, very good with us. But he saved their ass. Man, that, that was a nice performance by that Northwestern defense. But Trey Sermon, Trey Sermon he, w- he was that dude in this game. It, it was cool to see him have that much success on that stage. A couple of things. The first thing is, 
it is almost impossible for a single guy to rush for 331 yards or a team for that matter and only score 22 points that has to be the first time in history that has happened that is hold on i'll get our stats department on that we'll crunch some numbers but I will say this. You remember that dude for West Virginia? Oh, gosh. I can't even remember his name. It was a one-off game in like 20 – maybe it was 2016. Rushed for over 300 yards against us and didn't score a touchdown. Uh, it, it was the most we'd ever given up to a single rusher in school history, and he did not score a touchdown. So I guess it is possible. But um, that was that was crazy. Um the next thing is, I saw a couple of OU fans that were really upset with Trey Sermon because if it weren't for Trey Sermon, Ohio State would have lost that football game and Oklahoma would have made it into the college football playoff. Well, uh, uh- Okay. Texas A&M would have made it in front of Oklahoma. They were ranked fifth. Oklahoma was ranked sixth. That being said. The point is, like, if he would have been here. OU goes undefeated. Right. They go undefeated. Let's be real. Because remember, Mondre Stevenson wasn't there for both of the losses. If Trey Sermon is there, and remember, Trey Sermon made that decision before the coronavirus was a thing, before Kennedy Brooks opted out, right? He, he thought he was going to be the third back behind Kennedy Brooks and Ramondre Stevenson. So I got no problem with him making the decision he made. But, yeah, they would have gone undefeated. They would have. They would have. If they would have had him for the Kansas State game, Kansas State never comes back from 21 down. He ends that thing on the field, right? And he would have been able to get the tough yards against Iowa State. And even if he didn't, even if they lose the Iowa State game, right, and they avenge that loss in the Big 12 championship like they did, they're still in. They're putting them in over A&M with them winning a conference championship. So I get it. I get it. I I think the OU fans are like, you know what? If Trey Sermon would have stayed, OU would be in the playoff. I think that's true. I do. I do too, possibly, but he has a reason that he left. I could also claim that if Ramondre Stevenson and Ronnie Perkins were with us the whole season, we had a good chance of maybe going undefeated. That's how big of a a difference those two guys made. And, And throw Trajan Bridges in there too. So you can't be mad at Trey Sermon and not be mad at Ronnie Perkins and Ramondre Stevenson and Trajan Bridges, right? I mean, that's where the frustration with me is. This is the easiest thing to do. Be mad at all of them. (laughs) Just be pissed at everyone. No, I I get it. I get the frustration, but I mean, I I am not going to be mad at Trey Sermon. I had a lot of fun watching him run wild 
in that game. Wow, that I, was I, great for him. Yeah, I felt I felt really good for him and a lot of guys that I trust that are really well connected in the NFL scouting world and with you know some of the decision makers in that league. They really like Trey Sermon. They think he's going to be a really good NFL back. So I was fired up for Trey. Always fun to see. I I know he's not wearing crimson and cream anymore, but he's still one of us, right? And it, it was fun seeing him ball out like that on that stage. Okay, Ted, the ACC championship game, the biggest game in the history of the conference. It It, it looked like it was going to be a really good one early. Notre Dame, right? Puts a couple of drives together had the opportunity to possibly go up 10 to nothing after Trevor Lawrence's interception. And then Clemson holds him to that field goal and dong, it goes off the upright. And the game, once that ball hit that upright, the game was completely different. Clemson absolutely dominated from that point on. And they had all those guys back on defense. And man, did that unit, once they settled in, right, that unit played extremely well. And, Teddy, I, I feel like we forgot, you know, coming into this game, we thought it was going to be a really good one. We, we had forgotten that Brent Venables had multiple weeks to develop a game plan for the Fighting Irish. And shame on us because they completely shut down Kyron Williams. They completely shut down Ian Book. And then you look at what Clemson's offense did. Uh, they got explosive touchdowns on um, plays from Amari Rogers, EJ Williams, Travis Etienne looked as explosive as ever. But Trevor Lawrence, I mean, not only can that dude absolutely rip it, but he, he is a weapon with his legs. I mean, it, the things that he brought to that run game, I thought it really loosened things up mm-hmm. for them offensively. It gave ETN some more breathing room, just his threat of running. And then I I guess they showed some mercy in the fourth quarter. That's the best way to put it. But, man, a pretty dominant performance for Clemson. Uh, The most impressive win of the entire college football season. They looked as good, if not better. I think they looked better than Bama. I have not seen a team look better than Clemson looked in that football game this season. That was a thorough ass-kicking of a good football team. I still think Notre Dame's a good team, and they absolutely dominated them, Ted. Well, I mean, here's the thing, and I talked about this some before this game happened. It's really difficult in Notre Dame's position – Whenever every you've beaten a team once and everyone in the world is telling you that you don't have to win it to make the college football playoff. And I'd say that maybe that was a little bit with what Alabama went through with Florida to a certain degree, uh, giving up as many points as they did. It's just really, really hard whenever in the back of your head you're thinking this one doesn't matter anyways. So I will say that uh, in a little bit of defense of Notre Dame, but I could not agree more with your take on Clinton. Fantastic. Um, they've, they've got it all, man. They're really good defensively. They've got a great quarterback. They're coached well. 
There's some really good skill position players. They they are a total package. And I'm with you on Trevor Lawrence whenever he runs the ball. It's kind of forgotten part of his game. And we also forget that he is gigantic. Massive. Huge. He's six sticks, like 250 pounds. I mean, he's like the size of Cam Newton is how big he is, which is crazy to think about. But he can Um, throw. (laughs) <laughs> but he can throw. I mean, it, it's it's a dangerous football team. Um, you know, going into the playoff, who knows what could happen, but it sure feels like another Alabama-Clemson matchup, doesn't it? Yeah, and if that Clemson shows up, because uh, I, I think we've seen enough examples of Alabama's defense giving up plays and points, right? Mm-hmm. If Clemson's got all their dudes defensively, and as long as Trevor Lawrence is playing, give me the Tigers. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I was beyond impressed with the ass kicking they put on Notre Dame in that game. Uh, I it was whew, it it was something. Now, one last Power Five conference championship game. It was a Friday nighter between Oregon and USC. Oregon beats USC 31-24, and that's our Pac-12 recap because uh, they really don't factor in. Do you do you want to waste any time on recapping that game? It was a good game, but I, I I feel like we all watched it, and it was good, and that's enough. Here's how much I care about it. Ooh. I, I got to the hotel, uh, did my radio show. Radio show was over at 6 o'clock. Game started at, what, 7 or eight, and when my show was over, I went and got some food, went up to the room, ate, and passed out, didn't even think about the game once, woke up at 4.45 to do our game. Didn't even, didn't even consider watching that football game. That's how, it, how much it meant to me. Okay, here, here's a quick recap. If you turn the football over – it's hard to win. Ask Iowa State. They should have they should have watched that game before they went to bed. They would have learned a quick lesson. Don't throw interceptions. Now, that's interesting because Slovis threw three interceptions. Purdy maybe Purdy watched Keaton Slovis and he was like, you know what? I want to be just like that guy. And then Trevor Lawrence is like, watch, I'll throw an interception. We'll still pound the number four team in the country. How about that? God, Clemson looks so damn good. All right, let's move on to our segments. Let's start with our winners and losers of the weekend. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Well, I feel like I, I, I bring this up pretty often, but it has to be Lincoln Riley. Now, Spencer Rattler obviously wins the, the Big 12 championship MVP trophy. 
great performance there by the quarterback. Then we've got Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts in a That great was a fun game. game to watch. Yeah, great football game. Kyler goes for four bills. Jalen Hurts, it looks like he's going to take over a starting quarterback for Philly. Carson Wentz is saying, uh, yeah, if I'm not going to be the starter, I want out. So, I don't know. Maybe that's Jalen Hurts' job. I don't know what's going to happen there. Dude, but he, had, he, I, 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 he had some really nice throws in that game. That first half, what, he had three touchdowns? That was, that was a fun half of football to watch. An extremely competitive game. No, it was great. I mean, they're throwing well, in Hail Mary at the end zone there to to try and win the thing. Uh, great performance by by both guys. Uh, like I said, Kyler goes over four Bills, and here it is. It's Sunday night football, prime time. Everyone in the country's watching, and I'm I'm watching Baker Mayfield against the New York Giants, and he's going to be uh, a ten and four football team coming out of this game. Most likely, they're they're ahead here late in the game, so. Wait, this is this is we're in uncharted territory right here because normally it's well, thank God for DVR, but you're not in your house. You're your sister. I'm I'm actually watching it on a like I don't know a hundred inch screen. It's right here in front of me. I'm in a Let's theater go. room, so this is awesome. Um, it's you cannot get better. Um, I mean, this is. This is advertising for OU is what it is nonstop in, I mean, how many people watch these games? 15 million, something like that on a, on a typical weekend, watch a NFL football game, like a primetime game. I mean, it's the best advertising you could ever get for your program. And quite frankly, for your head coach, Lincoln Riley, uh, seeing all of these quarterbacks perform so well. I mean, I, as a redshirt freshman, I feel like Spencer Rattler is going to be the next one. I mean, because I, I don't know. Show me what's not there. I mean, I know he's a little bit small and undersized. Well, <laughs> Kyler Baker, undersized, he's going to fill out his frame some. So, I don't know. I just – I got to say Lincoln Riley is a, a massive winner. So, you've got Baker playing on Sunday night football. You had Kyler and Jalen going at it in a great game between – the Eagles and Cardinals, can you tell me the fourth Sooner that took a snap in the NFL today? Took a snap? Took a snap. Under center, took a snap. On offense. It is from the team that you love hating. The team that I love hating? The most. Are you you telling me that what did CD Lamb take a snap or uh, Blake Bell? Blake Bell, the dozer, takes a snap on third and it was a really cool play. Sneak. QB sneak. He's at tight end, yo yo motion, comes back, gets under center, and takes a QB sneak on third and one. It was badass. That's nice. I, that's awesome. That's Which, cool. It was a cool little wrinkle, but. To say that uh, I freaked out on my couch would be the understatement of the century. Greatest one-yard run in NFL history. Is that what you're telling me? Pretty much. It, it, in my estimation, I, I was like, that's awesome. Let's go. 
they probably, in all uh, honesty, probably should have started him at quarterback, uh, you know, way back when, whenever everyone was injured and they were searching for a guy. If I know anything about the belldozer, he's a gamer, baby. Put him in. Yeah, That's there's awesome. no doubt. But Cowboys with a nice win over the 49ers who, I, I mean, they're, I know they're in an interesting situation at quarterback, but Shanahan, they've been doing some good things. So nice win at home for the Cowboys. All right, Ted. I know, I know um, Washington lost to Seattle and Philly lost, but the NFC East looks far better at the end of the season than they did the beginning. They look way better. Let's just say the Cowboys aren't out of it. They're not. They still got (laughs) a shot. That's true. We'll see. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Okay, I don't know who this was, but I saw a couple of people reference it on Twitter. You were one of them. The loser is whoever the hell said Oklahoma would be a 15-point underdog to Ohio State. Okay. So, Reese Davis on the college fo- – the, the four-hour special for the college football playoff said that some guy, I don't remember his name, but some odds maker, he was throwing out numbers for different matchups. And he said that Ohio State would be a 15-point favorite over Oklahoma. And I heard that, and I said, hell no. Hell no. This odds maker is supposedly making money on – gambling or that is that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard i mean ohio state didn't cover that number against indiana or uh northwestern or i don't know i need to go back and look at their schedule i'm sorry that ain't happening and quite frankly i feel pretty good about oklahoma in a head-to-head matchup against ohio state i'm not so sure that i mean i'm not an odds maker or anything but the way i look at that I'd probably favor Oklahoma. This isn't a math podcast. We we don't we're not we're not great with the numbers. We don't pretend we are. But nope. if you gave me fifteen points, I'm not sure. I would put and once again, I don't bet on games anymore. I uh, I dabbled <laughs> in it. Back, I dabbled in it back in the day. I did very very well. I called it a day, and I was like, you know what? I don't need that stress in my life anymore, but I would probably get back in the game if you gave me 15 points in an OU-Ohio State game. I would feel very comfortable laying in, I don't want to say an offensive amount of money, but a significant chunk of change on the Sooners. I mean, and I know they're different teams, but that Alabama team with Tua and... I mean, all of those dudes in 18 in the Orange Bowl that we played against, they weren't even a 15-point favorite on Oklahoma. That was like 12. So, I mean, 15 points, that's a joke. That's an absolute joke. And Reese Davis is a loser for repeating that trash. Well, I, I love Reese Davis. He's tremendous at his job. He may be the best on the planet at what he does. But he needs to find new odds makers' friends. <laughs> That's, That's right. what he needs. That's right. He needs a new odds maker in his life, Ted. I, is that was his odds? 
maker. What's the dude's name on game day that picks all the games? The bear. The bear. Is that who his odds maker is? I don't. Even I don't think. think I don't that. think Art. And now I'm. I'm a big Felica fan. I like me. Uh, have you listened to that podcast? Him and Stanford Steve. It's. <laughs> I actually enjoy it quite a bit. It, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, 15 points, Ohio State over Oklahoma. I. No chance. I was. Uh, yeah, I was uh, I was shocked and a little offended when he said that. I mean, uh, at some point, everyone has, has to realize that this Ohio State team is not last year's Ohio State team. They're two different squads. It's not the same team. This year's Justin Fields is not last year's Justin Fields. And yeah. I know they didn't have a Lave in that game, but, dude, Fields looked straight up bad. Like, not like, okay, he played decent. Like, he looked bad. Yeah. Ooh. All right. My winners and losers are brought to you by Sound Advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual at my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires and cable boxes so it looks great, and I can, can control every TV in my house from my phone and my internet has been flawless. For the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area, call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. Okay, Ted, I thought about going with Tiger Woods for my winner of the weekend because, oh, my sweet Jesus, did you see his kid playing golf? That has to be the best feeling as a father, like, okay, I'm the best at what I've ever done. And, okay, my kid looks like he's going to be better than me. I mean, what's the kid's name? Charlie? Mm-hmm. Some of the shots that kid hit? Are you kidding me? His swing looks identical to his dad's. That's what's so cool. I mean, it's just like, I'm, I don't know. How awesome would it be as a, I don't know, I know it's different for him because it's his dad, but to be in that position is just—it's that's awesome. Just the whole situation is awesome. It it was awesome to watch, but they can't be my winner of the weekend because they got seventh. They lost to six other people. So I, I I'm sorry. If Tiger would hit some putts. They would have, you know. Come on. Yeah, Justin Thomas. I think Justin Thomas and his dad won. Oh, Justin Thomas' dad. He he beat the 11 year old. Good job. Good job, <laughs> yeah, guys. Awesome. But my winner of the weekend is is Trevor Lawrence. It's Trevor Lawrence. He looked uh, – I'll start by saying this. I know that we've talked about Trask for Heisman. We've talked about Mac Jones. We've talked about Devontae Smith. We're talking about Najee Harris after that performance. But after watching that game, in the, after watching that ACC championship game, Trevor Lawrence is the best player in college football. He is, I, and I don't think it's much of a debate. He is the biggest difference maker in all of college football with what he can do as a passer, with what he can do running the football, with what he does just for the attitude of that team. He is the best player in college football. And if someone wants to give him the Heisman, even though he doesn't have the stats, I have no problem with it. If I had a Heisman vote, which I don't, my number one guy would be Trevor Lawrence. 
because you can look at the stats for Mac Jones. You can look at the stats for Trask. I don't think either of those guys are better than Trevor Lawrence. And I, frankly, I know they're not better. So I'd vote for Trevor Lawrence because he's the best player. He missed a couple games. I don't give a shit. He's the best yeah. player. No, I, I got no problem with that either. And I know it's not supposed to be about this, but his collegiate body of work is incredibly special. I mean, he's been unbelievable. It, we were driving back from the Big 12 championship game, and as they were finishing up the thorough ass-kicking of Notre Dame, it was some crazy stat. Like, with games he started for Clemson, they've won by an average margin of victory. It was like 33 and a half points. Or something. Wow. Like it was some absurd number. Now that may not be completely accurate. Someone go Google that. Once again, math, not our <laughs> thing on this show. But not only is he the best player in college football, but the New York Jets. Mm. The New York Jets. Jets fans have to be furious. <laughs> they, they, no. have to be, they have to be absolutely furious because – the Jets did the most Jets thing ever, and they beat the Rams, which no one saw coming, but a hey, credit to those players and that coaching staff. They beat the Rams. They moved to 1-13, which puts them in the tie with the Jaguars, who are also 1-13. And the Jaguars happen to have the tiebreaker because they have played a weaker schedule than the Jets. <laughs> so as a result, the Jets – could miss out because they won a game on the best quarterback prospect in a long time. Teddy, this is the most on-brand thing for the New York Jets, but I would like to congratulate Trevor Lawrence. Good for you, man. I mean, it is amazing because, like, Jacksonville is not that far from from Clemson. Like, not that every single – fan from Clemson lives in Clemson, but like that general region of the country, I mean, Jack, that would be huge for Jacksonville to be able to get that pick. That would be massive for them. And quite frankly, if you're Trevor Lawrence, I'd rather be in Jacksonville than I would the, the Jets. I mean, it's not like Jacksonville's any – model of consistency or anything with that program, but I would I would much rather be there than the Jets. I wonder if the Jets will try to hire Dabo. I mean, I'm sure. I, I, just I I hadn't thought of it till we we're talking about Trevor Lawrence. Now maybe he doesn't go to the Jets. He ends up with the Jaguars. We'll see what happens in these last couple of games, but I wonder. If I, whoever ends up with the first pick, I bet they do everything in their power to hire Joe Brady. I would. Joe Brady was in New Orleans when I was there. Now, I didn't, I'm not going to pretend I had a close, close relationship or anything with him, but I was like, who is this genius man? Yeah. And he was, I mean, he was fantastic, but. We'll see what happens with Trevor Lawrence, but I feel so bad for Jets fans. But, I mean, th that's the thing, though, and you're right. Trevor Lawrence is like a 
Andrew, Andrew Luck. Luck. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of the few guys to where if you're a coach, like you would take a job because of that guy is going to be your quarterback for the next however many years. I mean, that yeah. changes oh, yeah. the entire view of a of a franchise. Yeah, maybe it'll be. Uh, there's some whispers about Pat Pat Fitzgerald getting a bunch yeah. of NFL offers, which makes sense. Did you know he's been at Northwestern for 15 years? That's Can you crazy. believe that? I, mean, I think I read that right. I could, once again, math, not the strong suit. but That's probably right because he went right into – he went right into coaching out of college, GAing, and, you know, he, he wasn't out there very long before he made his way back to, to Northwestern. So, yeah, I mean, that sounds right. Yeah. Okay, my loser of the weekend, It's it's got to be Cincinnati. It, it has to be. Uh, they did not get any real consideration for the college football playoff. They went undefeated. They are – now they are the team responsible for making the entire group of five aware that they never have a chance in the cor- current format. Like, now they all know. They never have a chance to make the college football playoff. Now, maybe if, you know, the normal non-conference is there and they play a couple big games, maybe, maybe. But they they were a little they – also, they're my loser of the weekend because they were a little lucky to beat the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. First of all, rain Kane, rain Kane. But seriously, a, a tough weekend for Luke Fickle's group. Uh, it all started with playing in what can only be described as the worst weather on planet Earth, like mid-30s and pouring down rain in the That's state of horrible. Ohio. Oh, my God. <laughs> Teddy, I was watching that game, and I was like, I feel for those kids. That looks absolutely brutal. I, I say cancel the damn game. That is – I mean, I've played in some horribly cold situations. I've played in, like, snow. But if it's in the 30s and rainy, I mean, that's as bad as it gets. That's horrible. And all of that factored in, right? They made the entire group of five aware that they'll never get a shot in this format. They played in horrible weather. They won. I understand. They won a conference title. They should be happy. But now they have a date with Georgia in the Peach Bowl. And Georgia is kind of rolling now that JT Daniels is at quarterback. Uh, they're going to be a little outmanned in that game. So it, it doesn't seem like an ideal situation playing Georgia in Atlanta for that game. So I, I don't think it, it's going to go well. And all the group of five haters having a great weekend, but just not a great weekend for the Bearcats, Ted. Not at all. No, that's horrible. Um yeah, I mean, you're right. Not only do you not get to make the college football playoff, but for your efforts, you get a road game against Georgia in their house, essentially, uh, right there in Atlanta. So, I mean, all you can do if you're Cincinnati is go out there and and win the game, beat Georgia, and, and shove everyone's face in it. And go ahead and claim a national championship if you want. I don't know, but... Um, go win the football game. Go prove it. I, I, that's really all I can say. Um, I hate that for him, 
And I do think that the non-Power 5 needs to play for their own championship. I do. If they're not going to be allowed to play with the Power 5, they need their own championship. And I think it would be great, honestly. I think Agreed. it would be interesting. On a typical not like – and they should they should one-up the Power 5 and go with like a, a 12 or 16-team playoff or whatever – like everyone else in college football does except for division one. And I think it would be awesome to watch. I do. So a, a group of five playoff it like, uh, obviously this is a hypothetical, but a group of five playoff this year would be Cincinnati, coastal Carolina, BYU and Louisiana. Right. So that would be, Cincinnati versus Louisiana and BYU Coastal, which, I mean, we've already seen. But I would love to watch both of those games and sure. whoever came out of them. Like, sign me up. I, I, I know it's all about money. I get it. I understand that. But I would as a college football fan, I would love to watch those teams go at it and play for a group of five title. I would love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I would, I would much rather watch – a, a group of five uh, playoff than I would watch Louisiana play Southern Miss in the whatever crap bowl it is. Like, I'm not going to watch that. I'm just not going to. I would watch a playoff. There's something on the line. I would watch that. And I think it would get really good ratings. I do too. All right, let's move on to what the beak. That's brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And of course, he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new house. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. He is still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. He's also built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build a house of your dreams. For more information to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit TimHughesCustomHomes.com. Okay, Ted, normally we do Monday Night Football, but Steelers, Bengals, Gross. Gross. So let's change it up a little bit. And I know it's hard to believe, but the NBA season starts on Tuesday. Crazy. Opening night, opening night of the association. So there's two games. And I want to know which one you're more excited about, Teddy. And we can look at both of them. We can just look at one of them. We can do whatever you want to do here. But we've got the Golden State Warriors at the Brooklyn Nets, and we've got the Clippers against the Lakers. Just a reminder, they play in the same building. They shouldn't. That shouldn't be a thing. You shouldn't share a building with another professional team. I, I fundamentally disagree with that. We were you just talking about place. earlier that one year whenever the Lakers and the Clippers were in the playoffs, so were the Kings, and they played like – the Clippers played like a – playoff game on Friday night and then 
like the Kings played a playoff game at like Saturday afternoon, and then the Lakers played a playoff game on Saturday night. Like the poor guys at the Staples Center changing all that crap out out a long long go of it. But uh, uh, I, it's crazy that this is already going down this quickly. But Brooklyn's kind of looking okay, man. Okay. Okay, so okay, so you look at uh, and currently Brooklyn is a six-point favorite over the Golden State Warriors. In Golden State, obviously no Clay Thompson because gosh, that guy, what what terrible luck with the Brutal. Achilles. But they've got Steph, they've got Draymond, both of them are healthy. They drafted James Wiseman, but I I know we all feel a certain way about Durant, right, with how he left Oklahoma City. But good Lord, does he look good right now, except for the bald spot that's developing. Everything else, I mean, he looks like himself. He, it, he's not showing any effects of that Achilles injury, and they've got Kyrie, and he's burning sage as he's walking around the court, and he's doing all this weird shit, and he, he is who he is. But they've got Levert. They've got Dinwiddie. They still got Jared Allen protecting the rim like, I, it pains me to say it, but I'm excited to watch them. I'm excited. I, I feel dirty saying it, but he's so damn good. They look good, and I'm sorry, but Golden State, I, I mean, I would take Brooklyn in that game. And it's crazy to see Steve Nash over on the sideline, too. I still can't get used to that. That's awesome. I mean, he – he he's very uh i guess poised maybe is the word to say whenever i maybe it's the mask i don't know but i don't see a whole lot of kind of looks like he's asleep on his feet yeah like no he, emotion from our man steve do you think he's saying like i had the perfect life what the hell am i doing here why am i doing this yeah i, I kind of feel like that a little bit i don't know do you think he was like remember when i used to randomly hop on soccer broadcasts and now now i'm ahead of nba now i i think steve nash he's one of the best nba players of my lifetime i was a huge fan of his and i assume he's going to be a great head coach but yeah that that whole brooklyn thing that's an experiment now there's some there could be some combustible ingredients in that whole situation yeah i don't know it it that's yeah. If he can keep that group together, oh my God, it'd be the best head coaching job ever. But I'd definitely take Brooklyn in that matchup. And the Clippers, Lakers, I mean, I know the Clippers added some people, but I, the Lakers are better than they were last year. And last year, they were by far the best team in the NBA. So, I mean, but but Paul George said he's going to get back to MVP form, even though he never won the MVP. That that was that that is a dated joke, but I don't care because it's still funny. Okay. But, well, you know, I think Paul George really the play, the playoff P statement in the Thunder locker room turned his whole career around, and not in a good way. It's been um, bad since that statement. You're right, but 
and, and you are spot on about the Lakers defending champs, but clearly LeBron, Anthony Davis, but they add Mark Gasol, they add Montrez Harrell, they trade for Schroeder. I mean, they're better. They're going to be a better team, right? As long as they stay healthy, they're going to be a better team. And the Clippers, right? Ty Lue's now the coach. They got rid of Doc, but it's still Paul George and Kawhi. I guess it's a good thing that neither of those guys, I know Paul George signed his extension, but neither of those guys have asked it, asked for a trade yet. So that's a positive. Positive. That's a positive. And, I'm shocked. It sounds like every other star in the West wants out of the West now that LeBron and the Lakers have it going. It's like, okay, used to it was LeBron in the East and everyone was in the West. Now he's gone to the West and everyone's wanting to go back to the East, even James Harden. Yeah. The, the only guy that, in my opinion, is significant for the uh, significant addition for the Clippers is Serge Baca, and that's we've all seen the, the sweatpants picture in. That is significant. <laughs> and on that note, we'll move on to keeping it local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. That's brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools reopen in the fall, parents wanted to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. So they sent them to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available. For more information, visit bmchs.org. So normally we find a story or, you know, it, it can be sports related or not, but this, this keeping it local is extremely personal for me. Um, I, and first of all, I did not to, I did not know Toby was going to do that during the broadcast. So my wife received several text messages, found out that a bunch of her mom's <laughs> friends listened to the radio broadcast, which was a, a fun revelation, but Found out that I'm going to have a baby boy in June. Obviously, yes. my wife and I are extremely excited. So, Ted, this is where you start teaching me. You start molding me because I need all the best pieces of advice you can give me. I need all the dad advice that our listeners can give me. Tweet me, guys. If you got any good advice about being a dad, Tweet it to me immediately, please. But I, I'm so excited. I'm fired up. I, I, I feel like I'm ready to be a dad. I'm 30 years old, so I'm, I'm plenty old. I'm plenty seasoned. I'm a little terrified. I feel like that's only natural, right? Yep. So I, I, I feel like that's where I should be. But, Teddy, you are the father of a young boy. That's right. Teach me your ways. Man, I, the only thing here's the best advice I can give you. There is no good. I mean, it's like every you're gonna have to learn everything on on the run. I mean, that's Damn just it, how it that's goes. not helpful at all, Ted. I, I had everyone give me all kinds of advice. I mean, here's what I'll tell you: the first eight weeks is total hell. It is total hell. That's all I can tell you. The kid will sleep 
like maybe an hour at a time. You're up constantly, nonstop. I mean, I remember laying there in the floor next to my son's crib whenever he was crying, thinking there's, there is no way life can continue like this. It just cannot. <laughs> there's no way. And I, the eight-week point from that point on, I'm telling you, every single day gets a little bit better. Every single day from that point on. My son is six. And every like at two, I was like, God, I hope he stays two forever. This is the greatest age ever. At three, I was the same way. Now he's six, and I'm thinking the same thing. I hope he stays six forever. This is the greatest thing. The first eight weeks, don't let it get you down. It's gonna be okay. I'm writing, brutal. I'm writing it down. Gonna, after Fake that, kidnapping for first eight weeks. Okay, if you it. could get picked up by a team for uh, the second half of a season or something and miss that first eight weeks, that would be crucial. Does anybody need a blocking tight end right now? I can get back up to 260 real quick. No problem. No, man, I, I'm telling you, it's you got to learn it as you go. I mean, there's really no way to – there's really no way to – everyone's going to tell you a million things but you just got to learn it as you go, man. It's like someone trying to explain to you how to ride a bike. You just don't know until you take the training wheels off, grab the damn handles and pedal. That's, that's what you're going to have to do. And you'll be great, man. You guys are made for it. You guys are made for being parents. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, so uh, my first adjustment, <laughs> I, I I've started, I've started. Well, hang on this. a second. Is your, do you have like a white couch? It's gray. Our, oh, okay. our main couch is gray. I don't know why. The I was one downstairs like, there's a is lot also of like a little lighter gray. It's listen, man. We, we built this new house. It's got all kinds of awesome furniture in it. Like our our designer Jennifer Welch, she did an unbelievable job designing the main floor in the basement upstairs. We just took and put all the furniture from our old house in it. We were like, we don't need to spend any money on the stuff up here, but I'm, I'm concerned about the, (laughs) that's why uh, she got you great stuff. So you can get new great stuff, whatever the kid around. But It's supposed to be like indoor outdoor furniture and like stain resistant and stuff. But you know what? It'll be, It'll right. be fine. It'll be fine. Here's one thing that you will learn. Children are way more durable than you would imagine. Every feel, every fall, you're going to feel like they're dead, but they will be fine, and they will just keep on trucking, man. Okay, so my, my number one main adjustment right now is I, I'm trying to cuss less because I, I was talking to when – you know, we put something out on social media that we're, you know, having, having a kid, Bill Biedenboe reached out to me and he said, and he, he texts me every once in a while about just checking in and stuff. And he, he's great at doing that with his former players, but he was like, Hey man, saw your tweet. Congratulations. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be best thing that's ever happened to you. And I was like, okay, give me all your dad advice. And the one thing he said, he was like, Hey, uh, stop saying the F word so much because they repeat it. They repeat it. And 
Bill is probably the most frequent user of that word that I know. And he was like, I'm telling you, you got to start practicing now. So <laughs> I, I've gone and I, I, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing better, you know, day by day, but I, I'm start, I'm going with fiddle sticks is my, uh, I'm going with fiddle sticks as a replacement. And I, I feel pretty good about it. I feel like that is a, a solid set. I'm I'm going with shoot. I'm I'm going with shoot and fiddlesticks as of I'll now. I, for me personally, I um my language on a just typical run of the mill day is about foul as it can get. Yeah, but and you talk to I, me. You know how bad I am. I haven't had. I haven't had any problems adjust. I think it's because I do so much radio that I've grown accustomed to being able to flip it on and off. So see, you're good at that. Especially you're even good at that on the podcast when like, we don't even do it. By the way, there's a hilarious review on our, I was looking at our reviews on Apple podcasts the other day. And one guy was like, Gabe dropping random f bombs, three stars, and then there was an update to the review. It was like Gabe dropping less less f bombs, five stars now. Great podcast, and I was like, oh, okay, all right. But you got to do what you got to do for the five stars. But okay, so you're saying that I should be able to flip the switch because I used to do normal. Ra- yeah. I, I don't cuss on my serious show, so you know, yeah, be able you'll to- be you'll be able to. And okay. you've got that makes me feel better. Thank you. Like. You've got a long time to train for that. You'll be okay. I think you'll be okay in that regard. Okay. All right. You're going to be better. great. You're going to be great, dude. It's going to yeah. feel like right now it's going to feel like, oh, it's all still a long ways off. And then it's going to continue to feel like it's a long ways off. And then all of a sudden it's going to be like, bam, it's happening. You're going to be like, I am not prepared for this. Oh. There's no way to prepare for it. Okay. I'm, I'm going to read some books. Um, if any of our listeners have some, uh, some dad advice, please tweet it my way. Make sure you tag Teddy so we can tell you you're an idiot for hey, your advice. I do have some advice for you. Ooh, my wife ooh. and I, we took one of those classes like beforehand. Don't do it. Some people may like it. We... My wife was like, "This is ridiculous. We're not. We're not going to this ever again." And I was like, "Really? Okay. I, you know, because I can't. You, can, I can't say that. The guy cannot say that. She did. And I was like, "Yes. I, I was not a fan of that. That was not. Other than learning how to, you do need to learn how to swaddle to wrap your baby. But other than that, we didn't find anything else useful out of that experience." Okay, I am going to. We're we're almost done here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna immediately, <laughs> I'm gonna immediately get on YouTube, and look up swaddling videos. That's what I, I, I just found what I'm doing tonight. So there you go. Send me all your advice, please. And on that note, episode seventy. Can you believe we've done seventy of these? Sometimes so, no, other times yeah, yeah I can. <laughs> This one, this one felt good. I feel, uh, I feel like this one flew was by. good. Now, we have not discussed this, but 
normally we record on Wednesday nights. This week, this week, uh, Thursday is Christmas Eve. Do you want to? And we have not taken a break at all. We have gone Monday, Thursday, Monday, Thursday, Monday, Thursday since late April. Do you want to take a break this week? Are we going to take one Thursday off? Don't put that pressure on me. I would say, I mean, we at least need something quick for people to listen to Christmas Eve and Christmas, right? How about, how about this? Okay, I've got an idea. Wednesday night, we'll do our normal thing, but maybe we'll rank our favorite bowl matchups. Yeah. Thoughts. I guess, yeah. I mean, it is interesting so I, because... I talked yeah. to Orlovsky. So Orlovsky's calling the Cotton Bowl. And Orlovsky okay, was cool. a teammate of mine in Detroit. So we've got him for... We, we, we can interview him Wednesday this week, early in the day, and we can put that out. Or we can save it for next week. But we've got him for the Cotton Bowl preview, which he's going to be great. So that's going to be a great be awesome. episode. I haven't talked to him. I was in Detroit when they drafted him. Shut up. Uh-huh. Yep. I played with Dano way back in the day. Two years. I think, was he a 06 draft? I think he was drafted in 06. Okay, well, he's, he's, we're going to get him for the Cotton Bowl preview episode. So we'll just, we'll, we'll stay flexible. We'll stay flexible. Okay. okay. It's up to you. I'm, you, I was, I was expecting you to be like, oh, yeah. No, let's take a break. And you, I, we are not take a break guys. We're just not. We get our I mean, routine and we just stick to it. I say that now, but you never know. I may uh, Tuesday be like, hey, dude, you know what? Let's, uh, let's ixnay that one. But hey, I'm, I'm down for whatever. Um, break would be nice. So no promises, people. That's what we're telling you. We may take here's a break. What, here's what I'll say. If we take a break, that next Sunday night show is going to be loaded. Loaded. Uh, just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Dang it, I messed it up. I was so close. I messed it up. If you okay. would have just burned through it, it would have been fine. No one would have even noticed. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time